Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. How are you all doing this morning? I pray you're doing well. Can we give it up for Jesus this morning? I just, man, this is awesome. Wow, wow, wow. Well, it's so good to see you all this morning. As Pastor Ryan said, my name is Pastor Greg. I say it all the time. I'm just that cousin who comes over and crashes the holidays. Uh, it's amazing how they always leave with something to eat, but they never contribute in bringing something to eat. And so that's me, and I'm just here this morning to say hello, hello, hello. I greet you uh, from my wife, Tiffany. We pastor downtown Emmanuel Church, Milwaukee, and so she's over there running the show and bossing people around and doing what she does. And so uh, it's so good to be with you. I got a text from Pastor Aaron this morning as he suffers for the gospel of Jesus in Florida. No, I love him. I know, no shade at all. I love him and Miss Tammy. We were here last night, and it's like Miss Tammy is the, the tangible presence of God, and she'll greet you, how are you? We just love you. I was, I'm like, what? And so I, I know, man, it just, that, it just, I was just saying, I just, I just wanted to like say sugar, just say it, just say it, what up? Just, um, but uh, I want to greet you all. I want to thank God for your godly leadership. I get the privilege today of the privilege, the pressure of bringing this series to a close. Uh, for the past six weeks, I've heard you all have been in Galatians, so I get to preach Galatians chapter six today, and I am so excited to do that. So if you have your Bibles with you, just turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter six. I believe there's like approximately 18 verses in Galatians six, but I'm really just gonna be highlighting verses seven through 10, but we will just kind of summarize the rest of the verses so that we can get a clue as to what Paul is saying to people like you and I, this letter that he wrote to the Galatian church. Before I get started this morning, I figured Joel Osteen does it, so why don't I? I'm just going to tell a corny joke. Is that all right? All right. Laugh for my self-esteem. No, seriously, there's this one time there was a chaplain who was, who was going to visit prisoners. And so this chaplain would stop by each and every one of the cells to say hello to one of the inmates. He'd greet them. He'd ask, how could I pray for you? Do you need anything? And he was making his usual rounds. And then he walked by an inmate's cell who was uh, completely unclothed. We'll just put it that way. Uh, and uh, he looked at the inmate in a peculiar way. And he saw that the inmate was holding in his hand, it looked like his prison uniform, a needle, and so thread. And so the, the, the chaplain went to the inmate and he says, hey, I see you're sewing. And the inmate says, no, I'm not. He said, okay. Um, he asked him again. He says, no, but it looks like you're about to sew. And the inmate said, no, I'm not. So the chaplain backed up like any smart civilian would. That's an inmate talking to you. I don't think you want to lose your life. Um, and so he, the inmate looked at him and they made eye contact and the inmate had a chuckle on his face and he said, I'm actually reaping. What? Uh, the inmate had gotten into a fight and he'd worn out his last prison uniform and so he didn't have anything to wear unless he had to sew it back together himself. He ripped his, okay, you know what, forget y'all. Um, <laughs> I want to talk to you from the topic this morning. How's it sewing for you? 
Look at your neighbor. Say, how's it sewing for you? Now look at the other person and say, no, really, how's it sewing for you? Why do I ask, how's it sowing for you? Because in Galatians, Paul really puts an emphasis on sowing and reaping. Throughout the various uh, uh, letters that Paul writes, he often gives some type of illustration from uh, agriculture. And he talks about planting and sowing and reaping. And I ask the question, how's it sowing for you? Because when many of us are asked that question, we can lie. Oh, things are just great. They're awesome. They're amazing. Really? Okay. So does your lifestyle match your identity? Ugh. You see, because I would know how it's sowing because there would be this fruit that you would bear. There would be this, this aura about you. There would be something different about you. That there, there would be an outward presentation of an inward action that's taking place for you. And so uh, sometimes when it comes to church, it feels like a hostess snack. You bite in the middle and say, where's the cream filling? How's it sowing for you? What Paul is doing in Galatians 6 is he's breaking down the responsibilities of a spirit-filled believer. And he's saying, because you have professed the name of Jesus, and because you're now filled with his spirit, there is an obligation that you'll have to do. You'll notice throughout this entire text that there's three themes that Paul really emphasizes on, and we're going to cover each and every one of those themes. I said this last night, but this is probably the first time ever that when it comes to chronological order, number two is probably more important than number one. And here's why. Because in that first theme, Paul unveils what to do. The second theme, he unveils how to do it. And the third theme, he unveils why we do it. So Galatians chapter 6, if you got it, say amen. If you don't got it, say hold on. All right. Man, I love you guys. You must really, you must do your soap journals. Wow. Galatians 6, chapter 6, uh, for the sake of time, let me begin reading from verse number 7. The Bible says, live to please the Spirit, and you will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. How about we all say that together? Let's not get tired of doing what is good. One more time. Let's not get tired doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap harvest a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith, especially that person that's sitting next to you this morning, especially that person you're married to, especially the person that you worship with, especially your other brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter the nationality, the race, the skin color, uh, the socioeconomic background, especially those who profess the name of Jesus. Amen? Lord, help us. God, we acknowledge that the sun may not be shining, but your sun still is shining. And so, God, I ask today that my words are not my own and empower me by your Holy Spirit to preach this infallible gospel to your people. And we don't want to say, God, we came to church. We want to say that our life was changed, and we acknowledge that it's not by might nor power, but by your Spirit, saith the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Galatians chapter number 6, sowing and reaping. There's three themes, and I want to just start our journey today. Let's break down this first theme that we'll see in Galatians chapter 6. Uh, it's called bearing and sharing. Bearing and sharing. Now, I read to you verse number 7, but if you look and, and, and when you find some time this week, if you'd read the first six verses, Paul's emphasizing something. He's saying, hey, this is what the church should look like. 
those of us who are filled with the Spirit of God, those of us who love Jesus, this is how we should conduct ourselves. This is what we should be doing. If you're like me, I always get irritated when somebody um, um, tells me I'm supposed to do something and they don't explain to me exactly what I'm supposed to do. It like stresses me out. Right. And I don't know about you, but I believe there's many people all across churches in America that are like, listen, I'm saved. I don't really know what to do. Um, and so they're stressed out. But this is Paul's way of, of breaking that down. He says, listen, he says we are to bear one another's burdens. We are to restore one another in love. What Paul was talking about is a Greek word called koinonia, which simply means fellowship. Now, if you're from old school church like me, that meant going down into the church basement and eating your face off. But what he was saying about fellowship was he was saying, listen, this type of fellowship is not gauged by proximity. Because you can be in a large group of people and still not be engaged. This type of fellowship was not gauged by how long you know each other. Length doesn't always equal depth. Ooh, that's really good right there. Well, I've known him for all my life, but does he really know you? This type of fellowship was gauged by transparency. This type of fellowship was gauged by vulnerability. This type of fellowship was gauged by humility, by compassion, by, by love. See, what Paul was saying was church should be the place where messed up people can come and tell the truth about their messed up lives and find a love like they could not find any other where else because they're here in church. And what you and I do is we get the opportunity to fix the broken through the power of Jesus Christ. He said, restore, 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 relax, you legalistic people, restore in love. That Greek word for restore literally means to fix, to put something back together who's, that's been torn apart. That's our obligation as Christians, as, as church people, is we need to restore each other. So, so watch this. Honesty should not be an, an anomaly in the church. When people say something about their life, hey, you know what, pray for me, I did X, Y, and Z. <gasps> you know, if we were honest... As church people, we should say, you know, yeah, me too, but by, the, but by the grace of God, come here, we love you. For many people, they've been scarred because they've tried to be honest in church, and, and because they were honest, they may have felt judged or, or ridiculed or criticized. Maybe they felt ostracized, and people don't relate to me, and they just kind of cast me off. I don't know about you, but I got any TV watchers in the place? TV watchers, okay. Wow, you guys don't watch TV? I forgot. This is the early service. You guys really do love Jesus. It's those <laughs> next service people. Yeah. Yep. It's those next service people that we got to pray for. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite channels that watch is Animal Channel, and I, I love the Animal Channel. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I'm just a nerd like that. People think I'm really cool. I'm not, dude. I love... I love, 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 love Animal Channel. And I was watching this one documentary, and, and they, were, they were talking about um, when animals reproduce. And then they, they gave this term. It's called felile infesticide, right? I know, big word, right? Or felile cannibalism. What does that mean? It means when animals eat their babies. I know, I just gross, right? But it just intrigued me. I'm like, oh, my God. They showed this polar bear. Never mind. Um, they did. I was, oh, Jesus. Um, 
But what this means, it means, hey, when, when animals eat their young, and they gave reasons why, and they said one reason why the animal would eat their young is, is because the animal, uh, 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 the, the, the cub is weak or he's inferior to the, to, to the other ones. Uh, another reason why they may eat their young is because maybe the mother who gave birth was malnourished, right? And she lost so much of her nourishment during giving birth that, that she may eat one of her uh, cubs instinctively to nourish herself. And maybe there's another reason they said that, that sometimes the, the animals do it as they, um, they are trying to rob somebody from having something else. When a lion takes over a pack, so you say you have a senior lion and there's a junior lion and they fight and the junior lion wins, one of the things sometimes that lion will do is he will literally eat some of the other lion's cubs to say, listen, I'm wiping out your generation. Now everything that happens will be because what I've reproduced. It's crazy, right? Sometimes, church, we have a tendency to eat our young. Those who should be cared for they may not know the church lingo. They may not have it all put together. They still may be a few fries short of a Happy Meal. But these are the people that God loved and he communed with, the, the prostitute, the tax collector, the, the people that no one else wanted to accept within the society. These are the people that God loved. And so they need to be the people that we stop killing. Restore. Restore. Church should be the place where people like you and I, maybe we've walked with God for a long time. And we can say, how's it going? You know what, my brother, it's not going well. Can you pray for me? Bearing and sharing. The second thing we see from Apostle Paul in this is, is he breaks it down very clearly for us. And he, and he breaks it down in a way that I'm calling what you sow determines what you'll grow. What you sow determines what you'll grow. Common sense seems to make sense everywhere but church. I've been in this thing for a long time. I was a drug addict as a kid. Why do I say that? Because my mother drugged me to church every Sunday. <laughs> you didn't have a choice. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you say you don't want to go, I will speak in a tongue that you can interpret and tell you to get your hind parts in that car. We're going to church. You know, pray for me. I'm recovering. What you sow determines what you'll grow. So I've been around church people a long time. And uh, cause and effect just does not seem to make sense within the kingdom of God. It just, not, just, just baffles people's minds. I was a youth pastor for a long time. I know, pray for me. Um, over five years of my life I spent in youth ministry. I still can't get those regrets to leave me alone. They still, there's this new phenomenon called social media. They like write me on social media. I'm like, oh, dear Jesus. And it always starts off with, Pastor Greg, ellipsis, emoji, what's up? I need money. Whoa, wait a minute. I'm a millennial, man. This next generation, they're just bold. Like, dude, hello, hi, how am I? I'm good. I'm glad you asked. I need money. Whoa, all right. Why do you need money? Because I'm on probation, and they say, if I don't pay the fine, then I'm going to jail. Okay, let's rewind here. You're on probation? Yeah, okay. And now what's happening? They say, if I don't pay my fine, they're gonna take me to jail. Oh, Jesus, okay. So let me ask you a question, okay. Did you do an unlawful act? Yeah, okay, cool.
cool. Did you get caught doing the unlawful act? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, did they tell you you had a fine to pay? Yeah. Did you pay it? No. That's why I'm writing you. Okay. Here's the deal. So guess what? Don't get mad at the punishment when you did the action. Okay? Baffles me. You did it. Take responsibility. The essence of our salvation is taking responsibility. We repent. We confess our sins. And it's Jesus who is just to save and forgive us from our sins. Taking responsibility. What Paul is saying, listen, what you sow, you will reap. Don't sow hell and then expect heaven. Okay? Don't sow bitterness and then expect love. Don't sow unforgiveness and then expect grace. Why is this second theme so important? Because, listen, in order to accomplish what Paul was talking about in our first theme, you have to sow fruit that resembles Christ. How can you love the broken by sowing seeds of love, grace, and compassion, and in return you reap an aura about you that welcomes people and that says, I love you? In order to accomplish what Paul was talking about in our previous point, he's saying, listen, you've got to sow seeds of faithfulness. You've got to be committed in seasons of your life where you don't want to be committed in. You got to love the type of people that are hard to love. You got to do things that maybe you don't want to do. And it, it just uh, literally takes everything in you to be obedient in the season. And this is what I love that he says, don't grow tired of doing what is good. When he's talking about good, he's not talking about a material item. He's not even talking about a tangible reward. What he's saying is, don't grow tired of being the person that God has created you to be. Don't grow tired of walking in love. Don't grow tired of, of walking in forgiveness. Don't grow tired of having the joy of the Lord in, in your heart. Don't grow tired of resisting the devil and his schemes. And don't grow tired from, 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 from coming together and having church. And don't grow tired of, of praying with other believers. And don't grow tired of just letting the present circumstance overrule your life until you're, you're, you're just cast away in anxiety. Don't grow tired of trusting in the Lord in all thine heart and leaning not into your own understanding in all of your ways acknowledging him and he's going to make your paths straight don't grow tired in standing on the word of God don't grow tired in being faithful that's what he's talking about don't grow tired of your relationship with Christ don't grow tired of spending time with him. Don't grow tired of reading your Bible. Don't grow tired of learning more about him each and every day. Don't grow tired of really developing a prayer life. Don't grow tired. He's saying why? Because it's in those disciplines that you'll be able to fulfill the assignment that God has for you to do. What does God want me to do? Have you talked to him? No. I, well, I mean, if you did, you may find out. I'm supposed to love people. I don't like people. You know what? I used to think the same thing until I really understood who Christ was 
And when I understood who he was and how good he was, I realized how bad I am. And if you can love somebody like me, I, be I better be able to love somebody else. Don't grow tired. I want to just, can I offer a word of encouragement to somebody in here this morning? For some of us, it's, I've been doing exactly what God wants. And it feels like, if anything, I'm being punished and I'm not seeing a result. Has anybody ever felt that way? I've been faithful in seasons where God has asked me to be faithful. I've been diligent. I've been consistent. And it seems that things aren't going my way. Or it seems like, you know what, Pastor Greg, I'm not reaping the harvest. You know, in Isaiah, the Bible says his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Sometimes the harvest you see may come in the form of what you need and not what you want. That's some good coffee I'm preaching this morning. Some good coffee. That's some anointed coffee. It may come in the form of what you need and not what you want. You may be saying, God, I need an abundance of finance, and God is saying, I got you a job. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, there's another attribute that comes with you. It's called gratitude. I don't know about you, but I'm just thankful I woke up and yawned this morning because I realized somebody didn't wake up and yawn. I drove here to church this morning. It was raining. Somebody got in a car accident. But by the grace of God, I had these angels around me, and it was protecting my vehicle. I'm so thankful for a place to worship without being persecuted. Y'all see how this thing works? I'm just so thankful. Look, I'm living in the harvest of God. You know what really, 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 really gets me going? I'm so thankful that when that trumpet sounds and he calls my name, he's going to look in the Lamb's book of life, and he's going to see my name. And he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you know what else is going to happen? There's going to be this monitor just like this. And it's going to show every evil act and sin that I've done. And guess what? I still get into heaven because of his son, Jesus. So that's the greatest harvest I could ever have. So when I'm having a bad day, I just, I just lift my eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. Because I know my help cometh from the Lord. Sometimes stop looking in front of you and start looking up. Amen. Don't grow weary been faithful of doing good. And then he says opportunity. Opportunity, what he's talking about is a kairos moment. An opportunity to do good. Anybody, I got anybody else like me in the house? Hey, I'm going through something. Yes, I, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you later. Gotcha. No, that's an opportunity. What Paul's saying, you know, is instead of saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. You know what? Hey, can we pray right now? It's an opportunity. You ever had that thought, maybe I should do this, and it was something good, or maybe I should give somebody money, or maybe I should, you know what, maybe that's God speaking to you. And he said, listen, let's not miss an opportunity to show love. We don't know what that moment will do for somebody else. And then he says, especially those in the body of Christ. In church, there's people, right? Wherever there's people, there are problems. Are there problems in church? Oh, okay, maybe not at Life Church, but of course there's problems in church because wherever there's people, there's problems. Guess what, guys? You and I don't always get it right. We're imperfect. We love Jesus, but we're tangible beings, and sometimes we give into our own carnal nature, and we do things, and we make mistakes, and we say things that we shouldn't say, or we may treat somebody how we shouldn't uh, treat them. And you know what's the magical words you can say? Please forgive me. I'm sorry. He's saying live in relationship with people. Live in harmony with people. No man is an island. Don't negate the fellowship of coming together 
the Apostle Creed. Let's eat together, commune together, fellowship together. Don't, because we even have an opportunity to love those of us who are in the body of Christ. And let's not miss it. And then there's this third thing that Paul really expounds upon. So if the first point was what to do, and then the second point was how to do it, the third point is why to do it. And I'm calling this third point, know the cross so you don't get crossed. And if you look on from verses 11 to 18, there's another thing that Paul seems to address. And he's even directing this message toward the Judaizers. Who were the Judaizers that day? The, the Judaizers were people, even with the present law of grace, still lived under the Mosaic law. They did good to be perceived good by other people. None of us has ever done that before. Okay. They weren't doing what Christ commanded them to do because they were thinking of the upward prize. They wanted the prize that was right in front of them. Their prize was, listen, I can't understand this message of grace and unmerited favor and love, but if I do more good, then maybe God will like me more. And Paul was infuriated by these people. He said, that's not it. That's not it. Why do we do what we do? Why do we love the way we love? Why do we sow seeds of, of, of righteousness? It's because when Christ was on that cross and he died for people like you and I, yet when we were sinners, yet when we were slaves to sin and in bondage and stuck, yet when we were in these dark places and unfathomable seasons of our life and mistakes we've made and hurt and pain that's happened to us, despite all that, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He's saying this message of the cross is, watch this, you get heaven even when you deserve hell. Because you're not perfect and you can't achieve it. And because of the fall of man, we all are prone to sin. That's the message of the cross. Don't make this about how much good you do so people can applaud you. That's not why we do this. Make this sometimes about how bad you are. But the goodness is how good God still is. Even when I'm not consistent, he still is. That's this message. And it was said that Paul wrote this last portion in large letters. And there's so many debates on why. Many people believe that, that Paul had a, a weakness of sight and he couldn't really see clearly. And then there's others uh, uh, who believe that, no, Paul was literally making a point. I tend, to, I tend to side with that point. And then there's others that say, no, Paul meant this so much because he wanted the people of God to be free. Who the son said free is free in And that's not a task that you accomplished on your own. And Paul knew, listen, you're going to be controlled. But the question is, what are you controlled by? Seeds of love, joy, peace, happiness, unforgiveness. Or seeds of bitterness, destruction, sin, wrath, malice. But he's saying, listen, despite what it was, because of the cross, you have an opportunity. You see, oftentimes when Paul would 
give a letter. He would dictate it, meaning he probably would say it verbally, and there'd be a scribe or somebody else who was writing it down. But there was this last portion that when he began to talk about the cross, Paul probably wrote that himself just to say, listen, I need you guys to get how much I mean this. So if we work our way back, it's because of the cross. It's because of the cross that we're able to sow good seed. And it's because of the seed we sow. It's the love of God that we possess. It's because of the cross that we're able to sow good seed. And it's because of the good seed that we're able to produce the fruit of Christ. You and I, we live in a place where we're stuck in the middle. I live between brokenness and I live between the cross. And what am I going to do? I'm going to continue to sow. I'm going to continue to be faithful. I'm going to continue to walk in love. I'm going to continue to forgive people that may be hard to forgive. I'm going to continue to make intentional to be a part of the fellowship. Now, I, I have a lot of college kids in my church, and they love to make excuses of why they don't want to come to church. One of them is, they're just going to judge me. No, sometimes it's not always a matter of church hurt. Sometimes it's just a matter of immaturity. Yeah. And watch this. Accountability is love, too. Because sometimes you need to be around people that love you enough to save you from you. And we don't see ourselves. And maybe there are parts of us that have fallen off. And are you okay? You just don't seem like yourself. What's going on? And everything in us wants to withdraw and clam up and go away. But God said, no, stay, stay, stay within the fold. That's why we do what we do. Because guess what? When you're weak, another man is strong. And when you're strong, another man is weak. But together we can bear in love. Why? Because of the cross. How's this sowing for you, friend? Does your lifestyle match your identity? Is there peace in your life? Is there joy in your life? Have you been able to overcome anger? How's it sowing for you, friend? Have you really found people that you can be honest with and say, I need help or can you, can you pray for me? Maybe have you just shown up to church, but you've just not really gotten involved because you're just, you're just over and you're done. But the truth of the matter is you've been hurt. And have you ever given the people of God the opportunity to love you through it? How's it sowing for you? What I want us to do is I want us to take just a sweet moment to reflect. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you need God to be a spiritual chiropractor. And you're in this place and you finally stop today. And you say, you know what, God, I haven't been sowing good seed. Realign me. <laughs> Thank God for grace. Or maybe you're in this place and you say, you know what? I am imperfect and I'm hurting and I'm broken and I want to be restored. Restore me, God. But whatever that is, wherever you are, right where you are, think about this. Because don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. Don't grow tired in doing good because you will reap harvest if you do not give up. As you reflect on this today, I want to invite you to worship with us as we sing this song. Think about the goodness of God. You're welcome to stand. You're welcome to come forward if you need to pray. But we're going to take this time and worship as we reflect 
on the faithfulness of God. Come on and worship with us.